0: Welcome to the World's Greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man Podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I am your co-host, Mike Allen, as always. I'm
1: joined by... Joshua and Today, we're going to be taking a look at December of 1988 with all the Spidey comics that came out that month.
0: Yes, that's right. And we've got G.I. Julie with us.
2: Hi. My eyes always go wide as if this is a video podcast. (laughs) (laughs) I I have to keep remembering. It's audio only.
0: Well, you know, we'll have the audience know we are recording video, we just don't ever release it. So you'll have to wait for the special DVD release of this show, right? One day?
1: Mm -hmm. When DVDs no longer exist. We'll we'll do like a viral marketing uh, uh, idea with like release the syndicate cut. There you go, yep. That sounds
0: gross. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've also got Bex Luthor
1: with us. Thanks for joining us,
0: Bex.
3: I am also here. Sorry I missed last week, but I was tired. (laughs)
0: <laughs> I'm always <laughs> tired, but in any case,
3: it, no, yeah, yeah, I was not available.
0: Okay, no, no excuse. It's okay. You don't have to explain yourself. Um, I have to work. <laughs> But anyway, we've also got a very special guest here. I'm super pumped. We've got a documentary filmmaker with us, Brad Faye. Thank you for joining us, Brad.
4: No problem. Hi guys. Yes. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Coming on.
0: And we. Now we met through well we haven't met yet but we've communicated through email now just refresh my memory how did you ever like you 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 saw the comic book syndicate or you heard the spider cast or how did that work
4: comic book syndicate first and then that led me to uh, here comes the spider cast after that so it was initially through comic book syndicate that I started watching the videos and seeing some of your interviews and being like this is good research thank you because I'll have you know we don't do
0: any research no just kidding we do a little <laughs> bit but it's mostly from memory I mean unfortunately yeah we all I mean I've read way too many comics I mean if you know like, you know those memes where you see like the guy cornering the girl at like the bar and like she's rolling her eyes that's me but it's also all of us so it's not that's just that's how the Mike guys. and I met yeah
3: exactly
0: <laughs> but we were doing it to each other you know like, yeah. we were just <laughs> trying
3: to outnerd each other and we were like god this person's insufferable but, uh, <laughs>
0: So, uh, Brad, so why don't you tell us, um, you've actually done a few documentaries, right?
4: Well, we uh, completed our first documentary in 2019, uh, Geek and You Shall Find, which is for anyone listening, it's available on Amazon Prime. I always get yelled at when I, by the rest of the production team when I don't give the, the full rundown, but that's what Google's for, but to my <laughs> latest update, it's Amazon Prime, iTunes, Roku, I just did a Google search and saw Roku, which I don't believe I have. Um, I've heard crackle from people before. So a few different streaming services, but once you know it's called Geeky and You Shall Find, you can pretty much find it some way, somehow. And tell us what it's about, exactly. Yeah, so um, back in, like, 2015, 2016, we had the idea of kind of interviewing cosplayers, asking them what their motivations were for cosplaying, why this character... Not really expecting to get any, like, deeper level stuff. Just kind of, you know, I've, I've been a big into people's connections with superheroes, what it is that resonates with about superheroes with people. So I thought I'd be, like, smart and be putting people onto this and being like, did you realize that, like, psychologically you're pre-wired to, like, superheroes and all this stuff? But we ended up, honestly, like, as cliche as it sounds, learning a lot more from the cosplayers than we knew. And them telling us, kind of... The personal reasons they dress up as these characters and we found we had a lot more research to do on our end um and that's what led us basically to do this film so we interviewed people dressed up as anakin skywalker let's say who would tell us you know it was really crazy the way people would just open up like felt really comfortable around this right away which really helps a ton but someone dressed up as anakin skywalker saying they had lost their father at a young age and kind of knew they were felt with a choice of allowing their anger to consume them and just becoming a bitter, angry person or trying to do something better in the world. And now that specific person goes to hosp- hospitals dressed up as Anakin Skywalker and brightens the day of kids in hospitals. So, mm-hmm. you know, it just shows, like, people kind of recognize that like, there's a reason they like these superheroes. Or villains right. in some cases. <laughs>
0: Very interesting. That's well, amazing. you know, I, I mean, you know superheroes and comics and sci-fi is part of mainstream culture now, but I think there's still a little bit of misunderstanding where I don't think that I don't think people, the mainstream I don't think they really appreciate that there is an extra level to it, right? There's like a mythological level to it and for us to read Spider-Man comics or watch Star Wars it's not just because we're attached to stuff we liked as a kid, it's, I think there's an extra level to it that a lot of people are missing you know, there's a psychological um, level to it And I think that, you know, George Lucas was with Star Wars, he was tapping into that, right? With um, patterning the movies after mythology.
4: So I definitely think that's there. So I'm sure you came across that, right? A a lot of that. Obviously, I'm I'm a big, like, Joseph Campbell fan. Like, probably even before I knew, like, like, what, you know, an impact he had on Lucas, I was reading everything. We've interviewed, like, the president of the Joseph Campbell Foundation, who was great. Bob Bob Walter. That was one of my all-time favorite interviews. So it's usually one of our producers, Kelsey Dickerson, who does the interview when I film. And that was definitely one of those interviews where I was just like, not even paying attention. I was just like, so into it. And he's done stuff with like William Shatner. He did a documentary with William Shatner kind of unpacking Star Trek fandom. So he's very much aware of, of kind of the, why we gravitate towards these mythologies and kind of understanding and appreciating that, you know, these are just our modern mythologies now. Excellent, wow, I totally agree with that. Interesting, we'll have to
0: talk more about that later for sure. But uh, today, I wish these were as good as Mythology, but some of these Spidey <laughs> comics are not quite as up to the level of a Greek myth. Um, I, before we jump into these reviews, how familiar are you
4: with 80s Spidey? Uh, me? Um, pretty. I always kind of get lost between, okay, when did the 90s begin? Definitely big like, intro of Venom, Maximum Carnage. So sometimes that spills over to, like, one of these issues I know we'll be talking about today is, like, a Tom McFarlane one. So I'm like, okay, maybe it was a little bit earlier. I mean, I I was born in 80, so... Gotcha. I kind of grew up, like, in both, but because I grew up with both, it's, like, kind of a hodgepodge of, like, okay, when did technically 90s start? So definitely familiar with that era. Um, Not these specifically. I semi-remembered some of the storylines, but not the issues I know we'll be talking about today.
0: Well, one good way to remember is Todd McFarlane's last issue of Amazing Spider-Man was January 90, but then he started on his own Spider-Man book about a year later, and the same month that he left Amazing Spider-Man, Rob Liefeld started on New Mutants. So you can see, right, that that whole, everything was changing right at the same time, Mm -hmm. right? Like the image artists were all becoming really popular right around the same time. And that's when
4: they relaunched, like, X-Men number one with Jim Lee. Right. right. The, X- all of those. I'm always like, did right. the Spider-Man lead to X-Men becoming X-Men number one? Or was it X-Men number one? I remember the Spider-Man being, like, the best-selling. And I remember, right. like, being into comics at that time. So that was probably right when I, like, broke in. was right around the time a lot of people considered all going to crap and yeah. multiple <laughs> covers and all that stuff. But that was, like, the kind of stuff that introduced me to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, we all, it's funny, even, like, I started around 86, and I'm part of all these Facebook groups that are always crapping on, anything after 1986 is crap, and I'm like, well, I started in 86, and I thought it was fine, so, right? Um, so, yeah, again, we apologize for the quality of some of these comics, but we're going to start <laughs> off today with Web of Spider-Man number 45, and I will point out, before we even get into this, this is a fill-in. It is by the regular artist Alex Saviak. But the script is by Adam Blaustein, who I've never heard of in my life.
1: So,
3: probably this is for a reason.
0: Yeah, probably for a reason. So, this is not a regular writer. But um, I believe, Josh, you're going to tell us what this one's about, right? And then we're going right. to dive into the review.
1: Yeah. Uh, so, surprisingly, even though it's a fill in, it still like, works with the continuity of everything that's going on right now. So, um, currently in the comics, Spidey slash Peter Parker. Um, are kind of like going on a tour around the U.S. promoting this book that was uh, that's being published by the Daily Bugle. And the author is Peter Parker. And it's all of his um, photographs that he's taken of Spider-Man for the Daily Bugle. So um, both Peter and kind of Spider-Man are going on this tour to promote uh, this book release. And they're kind of like going to different like uh you know news stations and tonight shows and like late night shows and things like that so um we pick up with peter in las vegas and he's like done everything he has to do here and he's about to fly home to new york city uh we see we see him like swinging through vegas on his way to the airport he kind of like offhand mentions how um in the last battle in Las Vegas from last issue, his web shooters were broken by the Hulk. Or sorry, he they weren't broken. He almost used all of his web fluid and he doesn't have any more. It's all back in New York. Um, he gets to the airport. Peter kind of realizes that he's like on this weird with this weird airline called the Rattlesnake. And it's these like these like rich billionaires. And it's just these rich billionaires and Peter for some reason? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Uh we catch up with the vulture. He is like flying to his secret cave in the middle of the desert. He's talking to uh all of these like animals, and he's like monologuing to them, and he's kind of like giving us a recap of what's happened to him lately and he talks about how before he was he kind of like quit being the vulture and he found himself a job and he became an inventor and he like invented this like type of plastic that you can control with your mind or something like that so you can rig um game tables at casinos and he actually pitched it to this big wig that is running the uh the 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 private plane that peter is on i th- his name is probably rattlesnake or something i can't remember morris the snake diamond <laughs> sorry
3: Great. so uh
1: and then it's kind of revealed that all of these creatures that he's been talking to are also like made of this like weird plastic and he smashes it mm-hmm. anyways he's he's out for revenge for for these guys uh we cut over to peter he's on the plane these guys are like smoking cigars and harassing the stewardess that's working there and then peter's spidey senses go off and we actually see that vulture comes and like throws a stick of dynamite at the plane and it explodes so peter has to like quickly help everybody get on parachutes we have this like really cinematic scene where Everybody is like parachuting down from the crashing plane the vultures flying in between them trying to find uh, Rattlesnake and he grabs him and he flies off. So everybody else is kind of like left here uh, in the middle of the desert and uh, There's like an altercation where the stewardess says we should go to the plane because it's smoking It'll be easier for people to find us since we're in the middle of a desert Um, and then like one of the goons like hits her with the butt of his gun and knocks her out and um, so she's out cold Peter's kind of there like taking care of her Mm -hmm. and uh, after like the vulture altercation happens everybody kind of spreads out and Peter's left there with the unconscious girl so he switches into his spidey costume picks her up and starts walking over to vulture's cave um we see that he's interrogating this guy and he's not really taking vulture seriously and he's about to inject him with this serum that's gonna like turn him into like this hard plastic and (laughs) essentially make him like a statue that's when um peter shows up and Uh, him and vulture start fighting and then they, they end up outside of the cave and there just so happens to be a mountain lion that's going to go eat the unconscious woman so peter has to use the last of his web fluid to web up this uh giant cat so he has to fight vulture with just his like spidey senses and his fist essentially um so he ends up getting the best of vulture but only right after he gets injected in his arm So he kind of like falls to the ground and his arm starts going stiff and he uses that to actually knock Vulture out. But um, shortly after he actually goes unconscious and when he wakes up, the stewardess is actually like above him. She interrogated the Vulture until he like fessed up what the antidote was and I guess used it on Spider-Man. And it turns out that this woman is like a CIA agent and she was there to bust the like these big wigs and to bring them in and it just so happens that the vulture was there and they were able to bring him in too and we kind of leave while they uh, we leave things off as they're like walking to the sunset and spidey asks for a ride back to new york so it's a it's an interesting issue i think it's kind of fun for a fill-in and -hmm. it's interesting that it like connects nicely in with the story that's going on um it's very like corny and that, like, comic book way. Right. The supervillain, like, plan is so ridiculous, but it kind of, like, works. You know what I mean? Like, it's one of those, like, corny things. I surprisingly had fun reading this one. It's not a great issue, but I I had fun with it.
0: You know, this is one of those ones where I had every issue of Web of Spider-Man, you know, in this era. For years, though, I couldn't find this one. And then when I finally read it, I didn't enjoy it. But rereading it, I like it a little bit more. And there's a couple things I noticed that stood out. Again, like we said, this is sort of a fill-in, but this one character this like He like he looks like sort of like a, a Cliche of like a Texan oil mogul, <laughs> but he keeps speaking in Yiddish slang, right? And I yeah. thought that's kind of unusual and then now the fact that the writer's last name is, is it? It, it Assuming they're Jewish and then also the the stewardess is a black woman who ends up being kind of the hero of the story. So I thought that was interesting. Then I read up that the writer of this book is actually not Adam Blaustein, it's Maddie Blaustein writing under a pseudonym. So- No, huh?
2: Adam is their dead name. They oh. are Maddie Blaustein.
3: Oh, what did they you find They were, that? I
2: should say, RIP 2008. Um, yeah, I was
3: gonna say, excuse me, uh, Maddie Blaustein voices Meowth and Pokemon.
2: I wanted to also mention, yeah, they're Wait. a voice actor. They were oh, a voice actor. Oh, really? see, I didn't know
3: that. Okay, yeah, interesting. So, like, I
2: changed
4: my as mind. As this writer, issue's great. <laughs> yeah, this issue's by <laughs>
2: <laughs> Didn't take much. No, yeah. um,
3: yeah, Happy Pride.
2: Yeah, I, I, I couldn't believe what I was reading. This person had such a like such a wild life, and. Mm-hmm. It only also just included a couple of Marvel comic books and also a Conan. But like they wrote for DC, for Marvel, just here and there Mm -hmm. as like probably just like villains or whatever. Mm -hmm. But like you were saying before, it fits in. I can't remember if, was it Josh that said it? All of these villains that we've been reading, they don't. Uh, they are clearly villains and it's like they don't care what's happening in the story or it it, it takes place um, as part of a story that was happening like four issues ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This one slots in really nicely. He still like talks about his book tour, which we are very aware he's on. Um, and it's it, it's just kind of like it's super one and done. It's almost like uh, it's almost like the writer read the comics and then was like okay so they need to fill in what is a logical fill in oh i know peter has to travel for this book tour why don't we just do like a little caper where he's on an airplane and then it like and everything sort of works right
1: yeah it's really refreshing because it really feels like most of the time that different people in charge of the books don't communicate with each other whatsoever Um, and nothing really kind of aligns like even characters feel different in the same month between books like they there's just no consistency so to see that and then like something that actually happened in the last issue directly affecting this one like him using so much web fluid to fight the hulk that he's he's run out in this issue it's like it's really great that they were able to continue that that's Not the way that like you this. do
0: continuity. I like that. Mm-hmm. But, um, Brad, we want to hear from you, though. What was your take on this issue?
4: Yeah, so, it definitely requires some suspended belief in the early going. <laughs> I'm like, all right, so he happens to be on this, like, weird airline. He happens to be with all these criminals. One of them happens to have a prior, like, beef with the vulture, who's this long-time... There was definitely, like, a lot of, like, stuff in the beginning that was kind of rough. But Uh one of the positives I really took out of this issue was I like the idea that they put Spider-Man, like, in a... It shows you how much Spider-Man has to rely on, like, his environment. And when you drop him off in the middle of a desert or on a boat in the middle of the ocean, like, all of a sudden, how much that kind of changes his power set. And, like, Mm -hmm. you know, it shows how much you rely, especially in movies, too. You kind of need this character to look cool and the... (laughs) kind of do his thing you need him like bouncing off walls and flipping around and you know he's kind of now just an awkward dude in the desert mm-hmm. relying on his like fist. and all of a sudden like he's just like any other guy who's like a well-trained fighter so i thought that was pretty cool to have to see him like use other abilities
0: right and, total fish out of water
4: right it was yeah great. and then
1: on top of that teaming him up with a villain that flies in the same issue that he loses his web fluid is so great mm-hmm. um i Like, I can't remember who it was, but I I was watching this like interview with somebody that was like a writer and they said it's okay to put somebody in a situation through coincidence, but you should never write them out of a situation through coincidence. Right. So uh at the beginning yeah, I also thought it was really messy how he was just the only passenger on this jet I'm like okay sure but then I, I don't know by the end they kind of pulled it all together for me and like everything kind of fell into place
0: right uh, yeah. Bex Luthor what did you think the story I
3: always just um, shout this up to the Parker bad luck and you could say that that's just a writing device but bad luck literally is a thing in Marvel comics like his ex girlfriend's superpower is bad luck, so like I think Peter Parker just has this aura of bad luck. I mean, later in the comics, he's always dealing with Mephisto, like he's just has a rough go of it. So of course he'd end up on the plane with a bunch of illegal <laughs> cowboys. Like why not? Um, and I feel like we've gotten this far in Spider Man with these kind of things. I'm like, now he's in the desert with Vulture and these guys. owe Vulture money! Like let's go. It's it. It doesn't bug me as much. Um, what does bother me is that this woman definitely knows that he's (laughs) spider-man
4: yeah Mm. right
3: absolutely like like he was peter parker on the plane and she recognized him and then he peter parker's nowhere to be seen by the end of it but spider-man's here (laughs) in the middle of the desert so um shout out to just giving your identity away to a government agent (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> but other than that and i'm sure she never comes up again and we'll never hear from any of these characters again besides the vulture uh no it was fun it was fine it was um it's no like masterpiece but also like as far as villains go it's probably done a lot better than a lot of the villains we've read which are they haven't some of them haven't been great <laughs> right, right um there's no high evolutionary, and I'm happy for that. <laughs>
0: okay. Um, so, Brad, we, we talk about Alex Saviak every week, but have you ever come across this artist before, Alex Saviak? The name sounds really familiar. I mean, he did, Spi- he did Web of Spider-Man for, like, eight years, then he did Spider-Man Adventures, then he did the Daily Strip, so he's been drawing Spider-Man for, like, okay. decades, yeah. But um, usually his art's pretty good. I think this issue actually stands out. Like, I think Keith Williams is doing a better job inking this issue, it seems more detailed and more like there's more shading and stuff. So
4: I don't know. Were you a fan of the art? Yeah. Iowa, and the coloring too, like, especially I'm in Arizona. So, you know, right? I'm, it, it's not a coincidence. Like everything we have is purple, orange, yellow, uh, that, you know, all our sports team, like, you know, the Dimebacks are kind of like red because the sunsets and the Cardinals and the Phoenix Suns and all our team colors are gonna, so I, I thought that jumped out at me too of like kind of the coloring in this issue being a lot of orange and yellow because he's in a totally different environment than i'm sure the artists are used to having to kind of depict him in interesting i wouldn't have noticed that um also i gotta
0: point out the coloring is done by none other than janet jackson taking a break from her 1814 tour (laughs) slumming it at marble doing colors but yeah it's a good job here Um, we
3: love Janet here she is a queen of coloring
0: so yeah I, I actually I gotta admit it's almost like I did enjoy it more than I thought and the more we talk about it the more I enjoy it it's not a masterpiece but definitely a fun fill in so I'm gonna recommend it. Uh, Josh, what about you?
1: Yeah, it, it has that like retro comic feel and it's super fun. The The story really goes with the art I find in this issue. So it's gonna be a recommend for me. G.I. Julie.
2: Yes. Not <laughs> this one. Okay. Super fun.
0: <laughs> uh, Brad, what about you? Do you recommend this issue?
4: I would recommend tough it out for the first four or five pages once you're in the situation and if you've accepted that you're here now. I think you're gonna go after that. <laughs> awesome, Bex Luthor?
3: Um, if I recommend it for anything but that panel where all he talking to all the animal statues, cause it's... <laughs> Hello? <laughs> it's bizarre. What's going on, Wh- yeah. what is, what animal's that one? <laughs> 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 where you got a couple armadillos, a snake, and some mammals. <laughs> yeah. Um uh, yeah,
0: I'm looking at it now, what there's a the bat in there too.
3: Have you ever like gone on like the internet? No, that's a bad sentence no. to start. Um, never. <laughs> and you've seen like those bad taxidermy.
0: Sure. Mm. That's what this is. Yeah. It's
3: just bad I concur taxidermy.
0: Yeah. There you go. So Web of Spider Man forty five, check it out for sure. Now we're gonna jump to Amazing Spider Man number three oh nine. The first mm. appearance of Sticks and Stone. And yeah. Bex Luthor, I believe you're going to summarize this one, right?
3: You don't know sticks and stone?
0: Come on, everyone knows sticks and stone.
3: Their first appearance was in Amazing Spider-Man, whatever number this is, 309. Uh, hey, yeah, so I want to preface this by saying I'm looking at the recoloring, because that's how we normally read these, but I read yeah. it as a, like a, just a digital scan. Sure. I got some things to say about our boy Todd and and how time has done him wonders. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this looks so much better. Uh, really? Anyway, the recoloring which does? It's, it's, the recoloring never looks better. But Todd McFarlane's recolors look better. Um, but anyway, so we start off, and I believe last time we left, Peter was fighting this massive dude to try to get information because his wife has been kidnapped. Right. Um, But... We know that Mary Jane's been kidnapped by literally their next-door neighbor, and he's literally one floor below Peter and Mary Jane's apartment. So he's, like, running all over town trying to figure out who found out Spider-Man's identity and then kidnapped his wife. Um, So he's just trying to get information out of all of these goons, and it doesn't work out. They don't know anything, so he goes and sulks um, on top of a building, breaks a gargoyle, you know, all that jazz. And then he goes home to sulk some more. Meanwhile, one floor beneath him, Mary Jane is... In the apartment of... Man, I cannot remember this man's Caesar? name.
0: Jonathan yes. Caesar.
3: C- Jonathan Caesar, right. Very important character. Who has kidnapped <laughs> her and has been in love with her for ye- years. Um, and has locked her away behind this safe door special room that he made in his apartment just for her. Um, she clearly is not cool with any of this happening. And she tries to escape again. But his massive brick wall goons stop her. And he threatens her once more. He's like, oh, I don't want to have to hurt you, but I will great guy, you know? So, Peter goes back to work the next day and we get a cute little scene where J. Jonah tells him to get off his ass and go find some work, and then as soon as he's leaving he's like, I want every reporter on Mary Jane's uh, kidnapping, so it's like I like those little tidbits of Jay Jonah just being a human being and actually giving a shit about his employees, that's nice. Mm-hmm. We get Peter visiting Robbie, who has previously had his back broken by tombstone and is recovering. Um, he's also being... <laughs> Charged with a accessory to murder because he admitted that he knew that tombstone murdered all the people and didn't say anything about it And then did say something about it later Um, So they have like a little Powwow, I thought he was totally over it, but I guess he's still sad about it. So good for him Back at Caesar's apartment We are introduced to sticks and stone who Jonathan Caesar has hired because he hears that spider-man is looking for Mary Jane and in his incredible intelligence and wisdom assumes that Peter has asked Spider-Man to find Mary Jane instead of Peter is Spider-Man. So, <laughs> Sticks and Stone, for people who don't know, uh, st- st- which, I don't know which one's which, uh, not S- important. One of them can disintegrate organic matter through touch, and the other one is a big, strong guy, right? That's the powers set? Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, yeah, Sticks is the skinny like guy,
0: and Stone is the big guy. Yeah. That
3: does make sense, but I thought maybe they'd do a funny reverse because, yeah. <laughs> like, but. calling the biggest guy in jail tiny, right? Yes. <laughs> um, but no, we're just straightforward at this point, so that's fine. Um, so he, he hires them, and they're gonna they're gonna kill Spider Man so that he can't find Mary Jane. Um, Peter's swinging back home. No luck finding Mary Jane that day, and Jonathan Caesar sees him out the window and assumes he's coming to get him because why else would Spider Man be coming to this apartment building? He literally lives the floor above i don't know how this is ever a secret anymore but it still is so he goes ah sticks and stones go get him!" spider-man spider sense goes off stone just just has an entire tank on his back and um so they're, they're i don't know why they both need to be there but they're both there a little fight in the park ensues um stone blasts him with like crazy amounts of Whatever. And he Late. loses part of his vision. Um, meanwhile in the apartment, a bunch of water was spilled when Mary Jane threw ice at Jonathan Caesar's face earlier. And she uses this to grab what looks like some sort of lamp, and try to- It breaks the lamp but tries to electrify Jonathan Caesar through the water on the floor. But he's like, haha, my shoes, they're rubber. And she's like, well, your face isn't rubber, and smashes the vase over his face and cuts him and then his security comes in and she's like their shoes aren't rubber and she electrocutes them and steals their gun and runs off so back in the park Peter's still fighting sticks and Stone and then they he, he's not doing too hot because he can't really see and Stone goes to touch his face or sticks goes to touch his face which I know doesn't work because he could only they've already stated this back before where sticks can only disintegrate Organic matter and Peter's suit is inorganic matter and they literally use that as an excuse all the time So I was like, okay cool nothing happens But what actually is cool is freaking Mary Jane shows up with a gun and starts shooting people to save her man (laughs) Mm -hmm. Which might be my favorite thing Todd McFarlane's ever drawn in his entire career is this panel of Mary Jane with a gun um so she clearly doesn't have a lot of experience with a gun, but that doesn't stop her from just firing wildly at these people. And they run off, and Peter's like, Oh my god, you saved me. And she's like, Oh my god, I saved you. And he's like a little upset that he didn't save her. But it's beautiful and romantic and wonderful. So um, Peter goes back home. Mary Jane goes to the police, and they, they say that they'll get her statement later, and they just go back into their apartment. And that's the end of this episode.
0: E and. That it was a pretty good issue. I, I actually liked the way the kidnapping su- subplot was resolved, you know? Thank God. Surprisingly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought it was going to drag out a lot longer. So, yeah, I, I, de- I did enjoy this issue. But let's jump right to Brad. Brad, it's you. What did you think of this issue? Have you read any Todd McFarlane Spideys before?
4: Read a ton of Todd McFarlane Spidey. Um, I, I really like, and I'm glad, like, Vex pointed this like particular moment out. I don't know if it says something about my character. I always like, like, the jerk who has a moment of being a heart, you know, having a heart, and you're kind of reminded, like, they're decent underneath sure. all that. So even though it was such a small moment when Jay Jonah is like, you know, like, I want everybody right. on this kind of thing, you're like... Yeah, I knew I didn't hate that guy for, like, a good reason. Almost, like, <laughs> makes you feel justified as, like, being a judge, good judge of character. Sure. And you're like, I knew I shouldn't have hate. So, I thought that, like, moment really, likes it out. And, of course, like, Mary Jane getting to be a badass and kind of saving the day is is a cool. Like, you know, it was very much appreciated to kind of her, like, I don't need him to save me. I got his back this time. Nice. Uh, G.I. Jolie. Oh, my like this
2: God, one? this is... So good. <laughs> yeah, it was good, eh? Um, <clears throat> it made me think. Boy, they're making comic book movies at the time that this was released. Like the way that they are now, all I could think is, you know, who would play Mary Jane in that panel? Is Pamela Anderson a red wig in a in a red wig? <laughs> that's all I could see. Because, like, honestly, um, that's exactly what Mary Jane looks like. Like Todd McFarlane's Mary Jane is. Pamela Anderson's body
0: yeah for good um, or ill right
2: pardon for good or ill yeah always for good CJ's okay. the best <laughs> it's
4: but that like, Canadian influence it's got to be the, Cana- the Canadian yeah. connection between Pamela <laughs> right. Anderson and Todd McFarlane that's obviously it yeah.
2: absolutely and like th- I will say I think I read the same uh, scans three colored scans as Bex but like I hated three color I think that's the only thing that was terrible about this issue, <laughs> or See, it was was so distracting and oh, god-awful.
1: Oh, interesting, didn't, Be- Becca, didn't you have the opposite opinion? Oh.
3: Yes, the, cause the, I read just a, a scan of it and not the recolor originally, and the scan, Todd McFarlane's art has not aged well on its oh. actual paper. Um I'm sure it was better when it was originally printed but anything that's like a little bit older the amount of lines that this man does they bleed in as they age and it just mm. it looks worse for it <laughs> um and I think if like it had stronger inking it would maintain it better but because he does so much of this little thin a lot of the little thins it just is like a a, a bad tattoo it just becomes kind of mush as it ages <laughs> <laughs> Which is not anything against him. I mean, you don't really draw comic books so that they age on paper. It's like you're you're just drawing them, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I think we we talked about Marvel's um, comic book inking at the time for a lot, and how just it was just they were just doing whatever they could figure out. Um, but yeah, it it it's a lot easier to read the the digitally enhanced ones. Then it would be to read like a real issue, I think. Yeah. Unless you're reading like a pristine 9.8, which don't. Right.
1: <laughs>
0: the thing is, I think the I think the art in this issue is actually slightly below average for McFarlane
1: Yeah, like, that's it's what I was going s- And
0: and yeah, but but the other thing too is. When they recolor, it's not as simple as just recoloring because they they have to augment the original ink somehow. And in this issue, it just doesn't work. Something's not right.
1: It's the inking that's really off. I find in this issue. I I, I agree with Jolie and and Mike. Like something is off, and I, I can only imagine how like much worse Becca's issue, like actual issue, would have been because um yeah and you know i love todd McFarlane. i always talk about like every episode i'm i'm like in support but for some reason i don't know the the inking is just not doing it for me yeah it's really weird there's yeah yeah yeah, you're right there's moments where it's like i I can barely look at some of the panels and then there's others where it's just so well done like Mm -hmm. this the scene of peter In the in costume, sulking on the the rooftop next to the gargoyles is so well done. The -hmm. the 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 art, the inking, it's like perfect. I, I absolutely love it. I really. I also love just like the beginning in that scene, like having Peter kind of like be a little bit more dark like he's getting desperate at this point the the woman that he he loves like his his wife is missing he has no idea so he's kind of like at wit's end and like kind of like pushes himself and his boundaries as far as they will go when he's interrogating that guy and then he has like this moment of clarity on the building and kind of like refocuses like okay listen i need to calm down like i can't let my anger and fear get get the better of me like my anger breaking this gargoyle almost could have cost somebody their lives i need to just slow down and figure out figure out what the hell is going on here so like i don't know there's just there's just moments like that where it feels like he totally understands this character and like this this type of scene is like what i think about is is peter parker
0: right
4: i just loved it yeah
0: Well, since we're talking about McFarlane, Brad, what did you think about? Are you a
4: fan of Todd McFarlane, first of all? Oh yeah, I mean he, he's an Arizona <laughs> guy too. Um, I've gotten to actually interview him a few times. Uh, oh
0: really? I, Interesting. Yeah, I will never that's say anything
4: awesome. bad about. It. He's the nicest <laughs> Canadian guy in the world. So <laughs> yeah, oh, I, would, I would never say anything bad about it. A- anything he does to me, and that's a big reason why I got it in the comic books to begin with. So like I'm always whether it be that nostalgia that you maybe put someone on a pedestal higher than you should kind of thing. Like I would definitely be guilty of that with him sure
0: well yeah I mean I grew up on him and like I always say like I used to draw as a kid and one of the weirdest things is that not only did I start to draw more like McFarlane but I I was so obsessed with Tom McFarlane that I would take old drawings and I would re-ink them with more lines to look more like his art you know (laughs) because like me and my friends were just obsessed with him he was like a genuine superstar you know at the time yeah kind of
4: like 3D before there was 3D You know, like, a lot of his stuff, Mm. just the way it, like, popped off the page. And it's funny, like, you go, you remember things sometimes not entirely, like, accurate. Like, I always think, like, oh, older comics, everything's within the panel and blah, blah, blah. But sometimes I'll go back and I'll look at old stuff and I'm like, oh, they were starting to break through the panels and do that stuff a lot longer ago than I remember it. But Todd McFarlane's stuff is just, whether because of the webbing coming at you, they were just certain things that made that character just leap off the, like, literally seem like he was leaping off the page.
0: He also, and that's the thing is, I thought that he invented all the techniques. He might not have invented them, but I think he was the first guy to combine them. Like, a little bit of Frank Miller, a little bit of Art Adams, a little bit of Michael Golden, right? And he put it all into one style. Yeah, he did, like,
4: it's called the noodling. Like, he was the first one to make the webs look like noodles, because, like, Dick Owen before him, it had been more flat. So, McFarlane was the one that was like, okay, if you loop it around, and I don't know how he had the patience. I mean, anyone who draws Spider-Man has... The most amount of patience mm-hmm. of anybody, like that, has to be the most difficult character to draw panel after panel after panel. But yeah, McFarland, kind of the webbing coming at you, and he, I think he called it noodling.
0: No, it was spaghetti webbing. But I have spaghetti, to point yeah, out yeah, yeah. it was actually invented by Michael
4: Golden. Oh, so that was right before. Yeah. so that would have been eighties also, but just my right early
0: eighties. Yeah, he mm-hmm. he did it. He drew him a couple times, and McFarlane scooped it from him. But <laughs> but uh, McFarland
4: gets the credit. But yeah, it was Michael <laughs> Golden that did it first. But. I don't know how it works that way at Marvel a lot of times, right? You're the of course. One, you're the one side of the story of, oh, he's the guy that did this. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Uh, happens everywhere, right? <laughs>
4: yeah, um,
0: true. So, but, uh, okay, so I'm actually trying to keep track here. I'm trying to stay organized, guys. But, uh, Josh, have you talked about the story yet?
1: Um, Not really the story. It's The story is pretty good. Um, I love that MJ is, like, an actual character in this mm-hmm. and not just, like, the love interest damsel in distress her taking charge and like escaping herself and then saving peter is like so much fun i absolutely love that um yeah these these two characters are like fine i know this is like 89 ish It's like right at the end of the 80s but these two characters feel like the 90s came to life like it's like the 90s personified they're so ridiculous um (laughs) Like I'm gonna yeah. guess
0: McFarland had a hand in creating them.
1: You know? Oh, for sure. I don't think they're they're new to this, right? So yeah, like, this is their yeah. first issue. So yeah, it had to for sure, for sure.
0: But like these are definitely the types of characters the image guys would create. Like they, so literal. Like I remember the worst <laughs> one I ever saw was Art T Bear had a had a had a duo called Black and White, and it was a guy dressed in black and the girl was dressed in white, and that was it. Like there's not even a metaphor like cloak they, and dagger yeah. or you know no, they, the hawk they, and dove. You know? <laughs> they
1: feel like the like the the Ninja Turtles villains. Like yeah. when the cartoon was coming out, they were making the toys faster than they can make the show. So they were just like making weird mutant villains and they had sure. to incorporate them. They just have that vibe like Stone is just like this big like Chad that's just got like these huge like rockets strapped to his shoulders. And, like right. he's it's just so ridiculous and fun. Um uh yeah, it's a it's a pretty goofy issue, but I I I'm enjoying it. There's like also like I, I have to point out all the time these like great moments that Todd McFarlane includes in in his like panels and his work. Um I don't have the page number, but it's um when stone throws like the flashbang at yes. spidey and yep. he goes blind and there's like yep. that the middle of the page there's no panel lines and it's like pure white and spidey's like silhouette is all in yellow and he's in this like super dramatic pose <laughs> yeah it's so great and so ridiculous and like so pushed and then the next panel we see like he it's still super bright and like just pure yellow and there's like flashes all around his face. Then then the last panel is just one panel of pure blackness as he goes blind. Like it's just yep. I don't know. You don't have to have any words on this page, and you understand what happened. You see the other two coil and like cover their eyes before the, the flash happens, and then we see this huge like like white empty space, and then we see that peter's like got these like things around his face that he's losing his vision and then black panel it's so so well done and the directing of the panels and everything it's just like it's perfect perfect storytelling i gotta say the
0: the sticks and stone looking away is the best part of this page it's so smart no one else would think to do that Mm -hmm. it's just awesome i love it um Yeah, there's a lot of great moments in this one like that. Like even the whole sequence, you know, the art in this issue is a little bit rough, but the whole sequence of Mary Jane fighting back against Jonathan Caesar is really well done. Smashing Mm -hmm. him over the head with the lamp and then the next page electrocuting those guys and then running and then two pages later with the gun. That's a classic sequence. I think it's really well done
1: yeah it's um, it's all of this stuff is very cinematic like i can see this translating over to like a film exactly you know yep. what i mean like exactly how it plays out here i can see it playing out in real life it's right yeah it's really well done
0: uh yeah does anyone else have any more comments about amazing spider-man 309 the first appearance
4: of sticks and Stone? No, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you pointed out the gargoyle moment too, Josh. That was also mm-hmm. like as much as it's just like a small little moment, like the Jay Jonah, where it's like you know It's just another good reminder of like what makes Spider-Man work is those little subtle reminders of like with great power comes great responsibility, even if it's not the focus of a whole issue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. Characterization, right?
3: Without and- having to show Uncle Ben. I, die again. Yeah,
4: I was going
0: <laughs> to
1: say that too. It's like it's great that he didn't have to mention Uncle Ben to get that <laughs> moment too.
3: <laughs> or Gwen, he didn't have to be like, yeah. oh, I've lost so many people. Like, we get yeah. it.
1: Yeah, no, and then over they the all show up in the Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, no, so you can get, just be sad. Just so you guys know, Sticks and Stone do come back. Oh, cool. Why? They, yeah. What? Seven I mean, more wet. times, okay?
1: <laughs> all right. Yeah. Wow. So they're oh. in, like,
3: modern comics, right? Uh, They do appear Because in... they get cool new looks. Deadman oh, Logan and Spider-Man rebooted?
0: Deadpool. I think that's about. Well, oh, maybe for... that's
3: where I know it from. Spider-Man yeah. Deadpool. Yeah. Because like the Sticks and Stone that I know is I think from Spider-Man Deadpool. And Sticks is like a creepy skeleton man, and Ooh. Stone is a big boulder man.
0: Oh, that sounds that's better cool. than this. These designs.
3: <laughs> yeah, they're not just two dudes. They're like weird. Cool. <laughs> Looking forward things. to it. Oh, I don't uh... remember that issue being good, but. I
1: remember <laughs> Whoa! Yeah, they're good. really cool in the reboot. Yep. like their their new looks are awesome
3: so G- it's like a fun but yeah it's like a fun like concept yeah
0: definitely i think the problem is is like i like sticks kind of um like w- what kind of suit is that it's almost like uh um, like a
1: magician suit almost like well, yeah. the top hat
0: it's a, it's almost like 18th century right or something yeah 19th century but then stone is just in this Stupid superhero costume, right? Yeah, it doesn't match at all. The style doesn't match. So <laughs> they have maybe... like a
1: double-sized, like goblin glider, so they can both fit on it. <laughs> what
0: well, uh, do they? have did notice that. Cute.
1: Yeah, they've Me got too. like a they got like a big glider that they kind of like huddle on <laughs> to uh, fly they, around. <laughs> they've Together. have noticed that. Because yeah, because
3: they're a duo. They're mm-hmm. a. Team. Oh, that's right.
0: Yeah, I see that now. That's and definitely a McFarland in invention. Yeah. Mm.
3: Was it they were in love? It's no, canon. I just invented that.
0: It's canon. It's anyway. Canon. <laughs> okay, so G.I. Julie, do you recommend this issue?
2: Oh, absolutely. You have to figure out how Mary Jane um, escapes the clutches of Jonathan with an O. And it turns <laughs> out she does it on her own. It's it's yeah, a it's conclusion nice. that needs to be concluded.
0: Right. Um, Brad, do you recommend this one? 100%. Awesome, Uh, Josh. Yeah, for sure. Ooh, Bex Luthor.
3: Uh, yeah, the the damsel saved herself. (laughs) Like that's pretty much the best you could ask for in this situation, right? It's definitely a fun
0: issue, and it's it's a better resolution than I thought that we would see. So that's good. And with that, now we're gonna jump to Spectacular Spider-Man 145, the conclusion of the Boomerang two-parter. And the title of this one is, and it gets worse, but actually the title of this one is the boomerang return. I'm not sure why they left the S off, but whatever. So, um, this is a part, part two of a story. So I'm not going to summarize last issue, but basically somebody set up someone to get murdered to make it look like that other person was the victim, but no, They were trying to make it look like they were the victim, but actually the other person was. And Peter Parker is just realizing now, in the middle of the night, exactly what's happened. He realizes it was all a setup. So two guys are in a race with these boats, and one of the guys had the other one murdered so that he could win, right? So that's what he realizes here. And so Peter Parker puts on his costume and swings into action. And he's going to the yacht club to try and uh, investigate this uh, crime further. And sure enough, he runs across Boomerang who is that Boomerang is the one that did the murdering, right? I don't yes. remember. Yes. Yes.
3: He was paid to do it right. by a guy who then was paid by the boat guy.
0: Right. Yeah. And so there was- <laughs> Right. And so now Boomerang has actually said i oh, I'm going to I'm going to kill Spidey for free. You didn't have to pay me. So right away Spider-Man runs into Boomerang who hits him with a he actually gives it a name. A Gasrang. He hits him with a gas and knocks Spider-Man out. And Spider-Man is unconscious, face down in the water, which means he's dead. So this should be the end of the story, but it's not. They keep going. Um, we cut over to Central Park and to our first little interlude. It actually says Interlude 1. And we see these cops... Um, coming across a dead body and on the wall we see painted in blood kingpin wolves bite back and this is the ongoing subplot about the lobos brothers right who are
3: who are definitely not werewolves exactly definitely not werewolves
0: but they are (laughs) competing gang members in new york then we cut over to interlude 2 and another famous first appearance we are introduced to mary jane's cousin christy watson who is the Oliver of the Spider-Man comics. If you don't know who Oliver was, he was the cousin on Brady Bunch. Um, Whenever a sitcom is running out of ideas, they introduce a cousin or a new baby, and unfortunately, with this, we get Christy Watson. But anyway, we'll see where this goes. Um, Then we cut over to Inlude 3, and we see a kind of... Again, we're kind of reading these out of order, unfortunately. Now, Joe Robertson's out of the hospital and he's walking along with his lawyer and um, he's basically telling her, actually, no, like, I'm not even going to fight this. I'm going to plead guilty because it's my fault um, that Tombstone was allowed to you know, go free for so long. So I'm going to take responsibility for it. And J. Jonah Jameson is so shocked that he actually spits his cigar out. And then we cut back to the Spider-Man story. And Spider-Man is tied up in a chain on this boat and Boomerang is, you know, zipping along. And his secret plan, instead of just drowning Spider-Man or killing him with a gas <laughs> orang, he leaves him tied up on the boat and just takes off and points the boat towards a bunch of other boats that are in this race. And he's just kind of crossing his fingers, hoping that this will kill Spider-Man, right? <laughs> uh, he does everything Doesn't the hard he way, I guess.
2: pointed at a buoy that's Oh yes, explode?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes, you're right. You're right. You're right. So, Spider-Man comes to and he uses his spider strength to uh, to break the chains, right? But then, um, of course, I just read this. I don't remember. Oh, oh, so this is the bad guy. This is technically the guy. The red-headed guy is the one that hired Boomerang. And he is now, you know, full-on cheating. He's opening up like a hatch, a little doorway on his boat and And using this like fake, you know, smoke to disguise where he is, and Spider-Man manages at the last minute to use his foot to steer the boat out of the way of the buoy, and then um, what's his name? And then breaks free the chains, and the boomerang sees what's happening, so he starts throwing other boomerangs at him, and then um, the redheaded guy is uh, he's using all of his tricks. He's got machine... Oh, no, he's got turbo jets in the back of his sailboat. And somehow, I guess people can't hear them. I don't know. Boomerang is still throwing boomerangs. It gets confusing. At (laughs) Spider-Man. And then, since Spider-Man is not in the boat anymore, Boomerang just assumes he's killed him. So he's like, oh, that last rang must have clipped him. I did it. I killed Spider-Man. And then um, we cut back over to the redheaded guy. And he's still doing his thing. Oh, yeah. And, like, the fog is lifting now. The fake fog And then Boomerang's like, wait a minute, something's wrong. Spider-Man's body should have floated up by now, but sure enough, Spidey is sticking to the bottom of the boat, right? Because he's got spider powers. And then uh, Boomerang's flying along to try and figure out what's going on. And then Spider-Man comes up the side of the boat and uh, shoots his web at Boomerang and holds on to him. And now uh, Boomerang's like freaking out. And he ends up flying up into the air, pulling Spider-Man with him. And then Spider-Man's boat crashes into the redheaded guy's boat. And explodes in this massive explosion. Then Spider-Man and Boomerang fall into the water. And then basically... Um, the red-headed guy is foiled, Boomerang's foiled, and Spidey wins the day. And that is the end. And I can just say, this issue is not quite as good as the last issue. I actually really like the setup of, of this story. This issue is a little bit more cliche. However, I think that Sal... Uh, Buscema outdid himself in this issue. I think the art was really, really good. Um, the story, not great, but it was still fun. The dialogue's good. The situations were cliche, but overall, I enjoyed it. Uh, Brad, what did you think?
4: I, I know I-, I shouldn't like Boomerang's costume, but I kind of do. <laughs> like, I know I'm not supposed to, but it kind of reminds me of like Mega Man, the Boomerang villain. I'm yeah. kind of like, I kind of like dig it, and I'm like, I, I shouldn't like Boomerang's costume, but that's just you... something that stood out to me
3: it says like color he definitely coordination said. he um, has way worse ones so
4: for sure for sure um yeah it made me definitely appreciate um like how hard it has to be to write spider-man like for so long i'm like how does a writer take this character who's like fought off against this you know fought the sinister six and you gotta convince the reader like boomerang might be the end all be all in <laughs> like i'm like that's just gotta be a really tough sell
0: <laughs> that's a good point to come up with new stories every week or every month it's not easy uh, Bex Luthor you sent us a link who is this here? that's, that's Boomerang. Boomerang that's his original costume?
3: no that's his third costume he's in his original costume that's why I was like you can like this costume all you uh, want
4: because I, oh, bad-
1: wow. I love that he's got like a giant like uppercase B, the B stands for boomerang. It's like, yeah, we know a boomerang.
3: The B <laughs> might stand for <laughs> bitch. I don't. <laughs> wow. And he's got like you got... like um you know those candy dots like yeah like all over uh, like him,
1: big jube jubes all over. Like we we get it. You're wearing boomerangs. You don't need to like spell it out for us, and dude.
3: His helmet has a little boomerang on it.
1: Oh man, that's great.
3: So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, Yeah. no, but this costume's fine. This one's good. (laughs) Yeah, it is.
4: uh, Brad, what'd you think of the script in this one? Um, you know, same thing. Where I'm like, come on, you're not gonna get me to buy into Spider-Man being in any real danger. And that was literally that's really the only plot of this. So that kind of makes it. I mean, literally, this whole issue is based on how is Spider-Man gonna survive this situation when you make that the only real like threat, not like. What about this innocent person who's with Spider-Man? They could, you know, die. Good point. Like There Good was point. no, like, ever point of, like, okay, Spider-Man's going to get off this boat. These chains aren't going to be the the end of Spider-Man. So, I mean, <laughs> there wasn't really, like, a lot of stakes other than will Spider-Man survive this, which we obviously know he would. But I did think the positive of it, it was kind of like what we talked about earlier with the desert of, okay, what does Spider-Man do when he's on a boat in the middle of the ocean? Right. he's not going to be able to swing off buildings and anything like that, so how do you make that entertaining? So I thought that was like a cool challenge for the writer to put themselves in that position.
0: Great. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, G.I. Jolie, what did you think of the story in this one?
2: It was so stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I guess the good kind of stupid, um, just like his boomerang's costume is the good kind of stupid and the whole entire um The whole entire thing took place at like a boat race which is like if it felt very much like the football episode to to me Mm. or like they may as well be playing water polo or literally any kind of sports Um, but it seems like uh, the artist has a big old boner for like you know Aquatics, because this is really well done. Like the art is phenomenal. Yeah, I agree. Um, and as somebody, like I think it was mentioned before about the other, uh, the Tom McFarland, where it's like, how do you how do you make it less tiring to draw the noodles? Well, how do you make it less tiring when you're like on the on the water, like? This is boring shit, (laughs) but this is not, this is not boring. It looks really, really cool. And like, there are way too many boomerangs though on boomerangs costume. (laughs) Like his hip boomerangs are extra. Like they (laughs) actually literally make an X. And, um, (laughs) I don't know. There's just, as much as I, I didn't hate this this book but as much as I think about how the things I dislike I like I I, I can find like three other things that I liked about it more yeah. yeah it's 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 if somebody asked me how ridiculous a comic book could get I'd be like oh here do you want to know about the boomerang yeah <laughs> take this
4: that <laughs> is a perfect <laughs> summer that, like you describe this issue how I would describe like the Adam West Batman to someone like mm. it is ridiculous, but it's still like it, there still are areas fun. in which it, the yeah. color like it, it works. Like I don't know, it yeah. shouldn't be good, but somehow it's okay.
2: Yeah, like Brad, what well, Brad was saying about how like you cannot convince me that boomerang is going to kill Spider Man, <laughs>
1: uh,
2: just like oh you, but somehow you will convince me that he's going to struggle his foot out of these chains and use his feet to steer the boat, but he's steering the boat into this convenient fog that the redhead is Baxter, by the way, that Baxter has created to give him a leg up in this boat race. Everything is ridiculous. (laughs) One after the other after the other. Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) I think that the thing I like about the story is that the boat race itself grounds the story and it gives it a little bit more of a realistic slant to it you know like having this the motivation i'm so sick of those the worst kind of comic is where dr octopus wreaks havoc to get the attention of
2: spider-man so
0: he can fight him like that's garbage at least here there's a there's a logical motivation the guy wants to win a race so he hires boomerang to kill the other guy and then Boomerang, because he knows Spider-Man is there, he offers to kill Spider-Man. At least it's logical motivation, even if, which, even if what happens is ridiculous, right? Yeah. So I think it gives it, it, gives it that little bit extra dimension. Uh, Bex Luther, what do you think?
3: I, I think a couple things. Um, <laughs> <laughs> only a couple? This one was... Yeah, only a few. Um, this one, I think, was the worst of the three and my favorite. Of course. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, first off, we got the cover. We got the most Spidey Bondage I've seen in a while. Um, 10 out of 10 on the rope play. Not sure what Spidey <laughs> safe word is, but hopefully Boomerang knows what it is. Um, I disagree with Jolie also. Boomerang's costume is amazing. Um, more Boomerangs, actually, would be beneficial. <laughs> um, but back onto the story, my main gripe is Peter wakes up from a cold sweat and is like, I figured out the twist. It's like, okay like he just is like he he tricked everybody all right he read
1: last issue as well yeah like like i know that
3: because we were in the office room with the bad guys as the readers but how do you know that like he just assumes that this guy is is tricking everybody i mean like yeah you're right but also, you have no nothing to go on. It'd be but nice guess, to like, see
0: how he c- came to that conclusion, right? Mm-hmm.
3: I guess he's trying to like go to the boat to find evidence. Mm-hmm. Like he's not just going right to the place and being like, "Hey, this guy killed this other guy." Right. Um, and then Boomerang also tells him the whole thing, so he's like for sure about it, right? When he chains him up, Boomerang tells him the whole story about mm-hmm. how he got hired, like what he did in high school, what's going, <laughs> like what he's having for lunch. He tells right. him the whole shebang. Um. So I like that. The other thing I really really like is I love uh, Robbie Robertson's lawyer. Yeah. She's a queen, mm-hmm. and I hope she's in more things. And I doubt she will be, but I'm I I love this woman. Who the
1: witch of the waste?
3: Don't <laughs> she is a magic fairy godmother, <laughs>
1: full
3: pink. I just I'm a big fan of that. No, I I. It's it's just a funny issue. I think like the whole the whole point that it's boomerang and you're not at any point like concerned for Spider Man, is funny because mm-hmm. like it's not really about if Spider Man's gonna gonna like die or not. I just want to see if this rich weenie gets his comeuppance and he does. And that's like
4: mm-hmm.
3: that's a ten out of ten for me. I love when a rich weenie gets gets shit on. It's great. Although he's not even that good of a sailor. He sucks. Yeah, he cheats. Mm-hmm.
1: Right, yeah, I'm. I'm with Becca. Um, I. It's really annoying that he just wakes up and figures it out. Especially, I. I say this every week, and I will continue saying it every single week. They need to stop with these stupid, flippin' interludes. I hate them. I They're hate, hate the interludes. I, I hate them so much. Stop. <laughs> like just tell the story what are you doing No, we have to stop we have to hint about three different subplots that are gonna happen months from now it's like just just like focus on making this like this spider-man story a good one you don't need to like stop the story in its tracks to like hint at other things later on just do this if they cut those like three pages of interludes out they could have had like a a moment where peter goes to this guy and kind of like starts talking to him to get more information and that's how he figures out that the bad guy hired boomerang right and then that's also that also could be how boomerang like confronts him like he's the 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 guy gets suspicious like peter's peter's like in, it came over came around i think he knows too much and then like he sends boomerang out to find peter and then spider-man is already there and he's about to like swing away or something and the two of them find each other and that's where like something you know what i mean like i don't know stopping the action to tell a completely different story that doesn't tie into this is so frustrating it like it really takes me out of the the story not that not that I was like enthralled <laughs> with this story, but it's just like, it's just like, what does this have to do with anything? I right. hate it. But 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 I had fun with everything else in this issue. Yeah. honestly. Um, um what yeah, about I'm, the art?
0: Sorry, yeah, did you- yeah, the
1: art is great. There's like, yeah. there's there's moments too that are like super fun that are kind of like out of the box. Um, when Spidey finally breaks out of the chains, we have that like. Yep. That patang like word, but it's spelt with chains, like it's chain <laughs> links that are like I put didn't together that. for the word. Yeah, it's great. There's like small moments like that that oh, are kind I of like
0: notice that. Wow, very like, oh, cool. That's yeah.
1: that's kind of like interesting and like small little things to like plus up the the, the visuals. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering if to, honestly Todd mcfarland is kind of like having a bit of an influence on other artists at the time because that's not usually something we see and todd has kind of like been adding in extra things and like making a panel interesting to look at besides just the the action that's happening so i I was yeah i was super happy with the art there's some really fun things going on um but i mean honestly uh sal Busema never
4: really disappoints so
0: Right. Uh Brad, are you familiar with Sabu Sama?
4: I am. I've, I've seen a lot of it. I, I love his work, too. Like, he's, mm-hmm. you know, often not, like, discussed when you talk about some of the, you know, iconic, like, Jim Lee, Tom McFarlane. But to me, like, his work always, like, still, and still holds up, too. It's not even, like, one of those, like, oh, for that time, it was good. Like, mm-hmm. still makes no difference. You could get right into it. And I think you're reading a comic book from, damn, like, almost 30 years, over 30 years ago.
0: And the thing is, is he's not just, like, he's a great artist, but we got to talk about his storytelling. I just want to point out the sequence Josh mentioned where he breaks out of the chains. If you go to the pages leading up to that, when he he breaks the first chain, it's a nice little contrast between him on the boat, then the boy, then him on the boat, then the boy, back and forth. Then on the next page there's a great sequence where Baxter is looking back and he sees the boat way back behind him and then we cut to like a different angle of him looking over his shoulder. Then we get a close-up of his hand, then we get the smoke coming out, right? And on the next page, this is my favorite. Spider-Man is on the boat. It's a nice wide shot. Then we cut to a close-up of his foot. Then we cut to a shot of the boat coming down the water in the opposite direction, right? So it's a nice contrast. Then we cut to the front of the boat. And it just... What a creative way to do this little sequence, you know? I just think he's so... like it, And again, the inking style is so inky. It's not supposed to look realistic. It's supposed to look like ink. And it just... It reminds me that I'm reading a comic book that's drawn by a human being, right? Not a mm-hmm. computer or not mm-hmm. whatever else it may be. So yeah, yeah. I, I really love this issue. And the movement of that
2: specific page that you're talking about, the movement um, the movement line the, follows the entire composition of the frames, which is just gorgeous um, yep. and something that is very rare in modern comics. So that yep. when you see it, <clears throat> excuse me, but so that when you see it, it's just like, you you miss it and you forget that, you forget how good, comic book storytelling really could be. I agree. it really Can be, I should say. Uh, so overall,
0: I love this issue and I definitely recommend it. Not as good as part one, but uh, Brad, did
4: you re- do you recommend this one? Uh, I don't. I, I, I have a question. Oh. Like, I'm curious about something. I want because everyone's comment and I definitely like believe me, rolled my eyes at the Spider-Man Eureka moment at the beginning <laughs> of, like, I figured it out with, you know, nothing to base this on. Would you guys rather that or those moments, and you have to pick one of these two, it can't be a well-done one, or those bad moments in any movie or comic book when a character makes a realization off of some kind of stretch conversation that they had with someone else, where someone else would be like, I had a bread box scoring up. The killer had a bread box. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and, and then that's what... Make, I'm like, would I rather there be some really bad connection or just own it and be like, I'm driving along and I suddenly connected two dots. I didn't need this person to save this thing. So that's what's going on in my head. I'm trying to figure out which of those two is like, just save me the time and give me the quick ridiculous one. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because I, I appreciate
0: the effort that writers do when you have those moments, but there are always some really flimsy connection right always yeah so that's a good point i'm glad you brought that up i don't know I, which one i'd pick
1: i'd prefer the flimsy connection <laughs> i think yeah. the the whole like somehow palpatine returned thing is just too much for me i can't do it
3: somehow somehow pal- pal- you know
1: what i mean it, that's that's it, that was the same feeling i got with this he's like oh you know what i actually know what's happening like how? <laughs> what
4: are, Just need to talking sleep about? on it. Yeah.
3: Figured it out. I'm assuming yeah. you guys watched that
4: video then about the the new Star Wars, like Rise of Skywalker, where they talk about that somehow thing. No. Oh, I, like, no. I haven't seen that Oh, no. there's a new video. It's got like ridiculous amount of views. Someone just posted like an hour and a half oh. breakdown of why they didn't like the last Rise of Skywalker. And usually like I stay away from like the overly negative things, but I'm like, okay, everyone's talking about this. Let me watch it. And they break that down of how this main villain who you haven't referenced. I don't remember that being that bad until they reference that. Yeah. You know, like it comes up, the dead have risen. They're like, oh, you're just going to throw that into the crawl. And then like, Oscar Mm -hmm. is just saying like, somehow he's returned. I'm like, I don't remember like that bothering me in the theater, but I'm like, now that's really bothering me. And
1: the, the whole like story of how Palpatine is back they didn't tell in the movie, but they had in a Fortnite event. So if All you play, right, yeah. so if you play Fortnite, <laughs> you would have understand how Palpatine came back.
0: <laughs> That's probably why yeah. I wasn't mad. See, yeah. the thing is, uh, is yeah. at the end of the day, it doesn't actually matter how he's back. It, it's still a crap idea because yeah. <laughs> it it, de- it destroys the the the, the, the previous levit- two. Yeah, it, well, but yeah. it also destroys Return of the Jedi. The whole point is yeah. that Vader, Vader has an arc, he kills the main villain, but it doesn't matter because now the main villain's back. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah. yeah I- It also ruins there's... the
3: prequels, too, because he was supposed to be the chosen one who would defeat the, the dark side of the force, and then he does that, but then he doesn't, so it doesn't matter. Right. So everything about Anakin Skywalker is useless. Yeah.
1: yeah. I, I think I could have forgiven it if they would have- like set that up from the beginning they could have come up with some bs like you can destroy the dark side but it's always going to return in some way or something you know what i mean but it, it's the fact that they just went back on their word from the previous two stories and they were like and eh, forget forget the last jedi that didn't happen uh palpatine's back you you'll like this guys yeah yeah, yeah that's yeah. really what bothers me about it
0: well anyway we, hey we could talk about star wars <laughs> yeah, yeah. all day long but um. so okay so in other words so getting back to this Brad do you recommend this comic
4: because I like the Batman Adam West show I will say yes based only on that
0: okay okay who has anyone else okay who else? it's it's been so long since I asked who else uh, needs to recommend
2: Jolie yes both myself and Bex <clears throat> I didn't I, know
3: I forgot myself this time
2: <laughs> <laughs> I only recommend this book to anybody who needs writing cues for the ins or inspiration for the amount i didn't realize how okay just let's cut to the chase the word boomerang is so versatile you could have literally any kind of rang he's got a screamer rang he's got a gasserang like you can have a banana rang or like Mm. you know batman's got batarangs i didn't realize a -a bangerang yeah (laughs) I didn't realize just how great the word boomerang is. So for that, I will give this a mild
3: recommendation. <laughs> okay, just
1: yeah. for the
0: boomerangs.
3: Okay, yeah. if- You want a fun list of? Oh, sorry. Go ahead.
1: Oh, it's okay. I was gonna go into mine. So go ahead. I want to hear I was about just the gonna list. Say, do
3: you want? Do you want a fun list of ranks?
1: Yes, please. <laughs> you
3: got more ranks. <laughs>
1: Start listening off those rangs.
3: All right, we got some shatter rangs, gas rangs, razor rangs, screamerangs. Mm. What, what's a bladder rang? Oh, it's a bladerang. So uh, I
0: a bladder so rang. That makes more sense.
3: This one pisses on you. Um, gravity rangs, <laughs> reflexer rings, electra Ooh. rang, and multi rangs, which are thrown dual handed.
1: Whoa. Love that. <laughs>
3: Fun fact about Boomerang: Despite being a criminal, he feels it's his civic duty to vote. <laughs> <laughs> As all good. <laughs> also, he calls his fans the Boomers.
1: So. Oh good! Oh, oh Jesus. man!
2: So relatable.
1: We need <laughs> Boomerang in the new Spider Verse movie now. Yes. Yeah, right there next to the spot.
3: Boomerang runs an Instagram fan page centered around Gog, Gog being a giant green or orange um, alien creature. this this is
0: crazier and crazier! Comics
1: are so fun.
3: This is almost as Um, crazy
0: as like BTS's fandom. But anyway,
3: don't bring that negativity into this. (laughs) Love you, Josh.
1: We stand. We stand. Don't come for us. (laughs) I love Jimin.
3: (laughs) Okay, anyway.
1: Uh, Yeah, I I, I don't recommend, I I don't know. It's not that I don't recommend this one. It's just kind of like, whatever. You know what I mean? I wouldn't recommend it or not recommend it. I feel like it's just like, that interlude stuff really bothers me. And then everything else in the issue, I think is just kind of fun. If you're reading it, you might have some fun with it. But I don't know. I wouldn't like go out of my way all right okay I guess cool. that's it that wraps up this episode
0: unfortunately I wish we could talk all night but mecca <laughs> has got stuff to do so anyway but I got shit
3: to do
4: yeah
0: <laughs> so anyway Brad we want to thank you so much for joining us we hope you had a good time
4: I had an absolute blast thank you awesome guys for having me. we'll
0: mm-hmm. definitely have you on again in the near future
4: if you're up for it for sure 100%
0: Right, and uh, Josh, you're gonna tell us um, right where we can. Is Josh, are you gonna tell us where we can find yeah,
4: it? Yeah, so make sure
1: make sure you guys check out "Geek and You Shall Find." Um, so it, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, uh, where else? What? else, where else did you say? <laughs> it no, like you said like, kind of everywhere, I, right?
4: iTunes is a good one. Um, Some I haven't heard. I think Voodoo. Voodoo. Um, okay. I think I've heard Crackle. So I always saw Amazon and iTunes just to be safe.
1: Okay, perfect. So if if you look up "geek" and you shall find, you'll definitely find where you where you can watch it. Um, it's featuring some interviews by uh, with Neil Adams, Stan Lee, George R. R. Martin, plenty of people. Uh, the documentary uh, looks to demonstrate why being a geek is not only okay, but might just be the greatest thing that's ever happened to you. Is there anything else we should know about the uh, about the documentary before we sign off, or?
4: Oh, just anyone who's ever interested in kind of the history of modern geekdom and kind of its its origins. And, you know, I wish it could have been 10 hours long. They included a lot of stuff we didn't get in, but that's why we're currently working on a series that allows us to kind of go further in depth about some topics.
1: Awesome. All right. So stay tuned for that. And uh, we also want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts or on Facebook or Twitter at The Comic Book Syndicate. Please let us know what you guys think about the comics we're reading and the podcast itself. We, uh, we want to keep that comics conversation going.
0: That's right. So until next Monday, see you later. <laughs>